Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live. This one's kind of a two-parter. Anyone who's listening to this is only going to hear it in one part, but uh, we're recording this on separate days because originally uh, we wanted to do like an Oscars thing, but we didn't have the time before to do like a dedicated pre-Oscars show because we were going through all the Best Picture nominees. So our pre-Oscars show and our post-Oscars show are going to be the same, but uh, many of you listening to this will know that Pierre and I just hosted the Deathies. Uh, that was literally minutes ago, the Academy of Death Racers Awards. And we are here with the producer, and I've been calling him director, uh, Ian, or Slight Astro, who uh, was there with us the whole time. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, th- thank you, guys. You know, you did an excellent job, as always. And yeah, it was a, it was a great show. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope people who tuned in did as well. I mean, there's a group of people that I always expect to watch it, which the fact that they do is still fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But this year, one of my friends who is not in the Discord at all sent me a very kind message the minute it was over saying, excellent show. I enjoyed your recorder solo very much. So we had one person who wasn't even in the Discord server, at least, watch this whole show, which I'm, you know, I'm always happy when people are watching. That's amazing. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy that we got somebody from Moonfall as well. Uh, oh, that so, was incredible. Yeah. Uh, did it surprise you? I know you had um, inklings that there was going to be a guest, but did you have any clue? I had no clue who it was or who it could have been. I mean, you'd said that it, there was going to be a guest and you'd hinted very strongly that it was a guest from Moonfall. But uh, there was no way I could have guessed who it was. Who was it, actually? Again, I, I know his name was John, but that's it. Jo- Josh. 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 Uh, Look at yeah. that. I didn't even know his name was Josh. <laughs> he, he plays uh, Scrawny, who's one of the guys who kind of tries to rob them of uh, when they're in the fire station, trying to get all that kind of protective equipment. I'm flabbergasted that you got, I don't say this with any hint of irony, such a big name. Yeah, he's he's a legend, and uh, he was when I when I first made contact with him, I was thinking, you know, this guy's just gonna bat me off. Never, I'll never hear back from him. And uh, lo and behold, almost immediately, he said, "I've just looked you you guys up, and I love it." <laughs> so it was amazing. <laughs> Incredible get, and I love that people actually people are watching and loving the show. And Pierre, what did you think of today? What was your experience? on your side uh it, it was pretty i'm like because I, I, I have like a very what improvised setup because i'm in like my my girlfriend's dorm room because i'm still in Kelowna and i was supposed to be back in vancouver today but things got mixed up but it was still like i i really i really enjoyed it i was working with limited snacks slash props i remember it was like last year i had a bunch of chips and i remember that when someone mentioned it so i was just trying to find anything i could snack on to keep some semblance of that up, but yeah, it, it was it was really cool. It took me a bit to get into the group of it, but yeah, I liked it a lot. From where I was standing, I couldn't read all the comments immediately, but I do remember one comment pointing out, "This is so surreal." Uh, like hand lotion and Smarties, what a wonderful <laughs> bit! And I was like, "You're right. This is very strange." <laughs> I was like, "A really? I don't know why I thought of that, but I was like, oh, okay, like I." Again, limited props really uh, amped my creativity, if you could call it that up. But yeah. 
I mean, that's the best thing about early movies too. You know, they they're working with very limited resources and had to make things had had to make things work on a dime with no budget. There you go. I was filmmaking while while hosting. It's truly truly amazing. Yeah, the parallels are there, aren't they? <laughs> Everywhere. So let's talk just a little bit about the Deathies. Like, what what would you say were like biggest surprises, biggest disappointments, if at all? or things of that nature. I I was surprised that we finally had a tie. That's uh you know I think it th- there's been lots of close races before but you know mm. international being a tie between all quiet and uh, close that surprised me immediately when I was going through the results. I was really disappointed that After Sun didn't pick up anything. I know it came fourth in the favorite film. But uh, that, I, I was sad. It's it's certainly, as well as Moonfall, of course, it's very high in my list this year. Yeah, I've, I'm kind of shocked by that tie, too, because it's not even, I guess this makes sense. The, the, the movies that tie would not be similar movies, because if anyone was going to vote for, you know, anyone who's going to vote for All Quiet would not vote for Close. So they were very distinct groups, which I guess makes sense. But uh really shocking although i will say like i know i know those were both very popular among a lot of the people that i talked to for sure yeah lots of the um uh the categories were really close as well there were only a couple that had kind of one very distinct leader there obviously best feature was one of them (laughs) (laughs) that was that was my biggest surprise yeah. Last year we we got up to round nine, didn't we? And it I took think me, so. Took me so long yeah. to put together those graphics for each of those rounds. And <laughs> this year, like, I just kind of thought, ah, oh, ah. Oh. So, like, let's just go the opposite way. And rather than spend twenty <laughs> twenty minutes on a uh, <laughs> on a section, let's just get it over in like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. What, it, that was actually in the first round that it was decided. Like, there's there's no it, trickery there. No, no, fifty three point something percent. Wow. I think, uh, yeah. So more more than half the uh, the voters put it as their first choice. Not very surprising when it was also very dominant in favorite film. Yeah, it, it's 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 done well, hasn't it tonight? I think. Yeah. Uh, how many wins did it get? It got one, two, three. It's like five, right? Or six? Four, five, six, seven, oh, wow. eight, nine. Nine if you count favorite film, which I would. So nine wins out of, at the Oscars, it's 12 nominations, uh, 12 nominations, I think. And here it would have been maybe 14, 15? Plus yeah. favorite film, which, you know, didn't have nominees. Yeah, it did very well. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say my biggest disappointment was uh, I, it probably came across on camera. Obviously, Morbius. I actually didn't vote for Morbius in the creators branch, but I did vote for Morbius in the Kino branch, and I was not surprised to see RRR win because it's the only one that many voters probably would have seen. Uh, I know a lot of people skip that branch too for unfortunate reasons. It's, it's some of the some of the best films are in that. Obviously, you know, Moonfall's probably only award nominee of the year mm-hmm. <laughs> that's <laughs> it really is one of my favorite branches and i love i always love the presentation for that one too Pay, i was paying attention while rach was uh 
conceptualizing that. I didn't see it in advance, but uh, it, it worked really well. I always like her presentations. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I was I was really quite sad though. I ran out of time. I was hopefully going to put together some of the uh, as the kind of nomination sequence. I was going to put together kind of some of the news footage from those films of you know announcing you know the terrible events that had happened or or whatnot. Uh, and all of them feature news footage except RRR. Because even Morbius has like full on reports of vampires. Yeah. So uh, we could have done it. I just ran out of time. So. <laughs> oh, well, I think this was the longest show yet, wasn't it? By quite a way. <laughs> we're, we're approaching Oscar length, I think, <laughs> even without <laughs> <Yeah>. the adverts. <laughs> we got to beat him um, somehow. <laughs> So I guess having just done the Deffies, how, how do we think the Oscars are going to line up with those? It's a really good question, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. When I when I saw the the results after the ballot, and obviously I've been dwelling upon this for a few days, um, I was thinking, oh yeah, is is everything everywhere gonna is it gonna sweep the Oscars too? And I'd kind of love to see that happen. But I, I've, I've kind of, I've lost confidence that it will actually through the death these results in a weird kind of. It doesn't really make sense to me. But you know, obviously, we're we're most right. <laughs> well, I mean, it won the most important precursor. Yeah, yeah, and the Academy always tends to disappoint me, anyhow. So, uh, I'm, I think I'm setting myself up for to be pleasantly surprised, as opposed to be disappointed when you know, I don't know, Top Gun wins Best Picture, which I'd be okay with, I suppose. Well, I'm going to try and mentally prepare myself for that, but I'm also very much... I I think back to 20... It was 2020, actually. Pierre and I were the president and vice president, or co-presidents, I don't even remember, of the movie Maniacs at the time. And um, I remember our Oscar party... I wasn't expecting Parasite to win, but I was very happy when it pretty much swept everything that it was nominated for. I think I uh, was very drunk by that time, so I was like running around <laughs> the bar. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping for that again. I, I was late to work the next day. Let's just say I was I was very happy and quite inebriated by the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> if only the Oscars could cause riots like the Raptors winning a game. <laughs> Pierre, your last thoughts on the Oscars before we probably, you know, talk about it again in another five minutes for people who are listening uh, to this. Uh, yeah, I'd say that I actually think the Everything Everywhere All at Once is going to, it's going to be a very, because I think there's just, I wasn't too sure about it at first, but with all the awards hype, I think all the, the actors have the strongest like storylines behind, even like Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm really surprised is like, they built like a good storyline for her to win too. Cause what, she hasn't won an Oscar before. I don't think she's right? ever been Something? nominated. Like nominated. And she's like, you know, she's getting older and she's been such a staple in the, the community or the, the acting community too. So there's just, there's so much going for it now that like, before I like, I thought it would be too weird to win, but now it's like, it's, it's all over the place and it's not just critics, it's audiences too. So I, I think it's got a, a, fairly clear shot at it even though like i think this is a great like year for movies 
it's just it's too unique of a movie to really pass up for everyone i think is what we're looking at right now yeah and i've read a few i've variety i think it is puts out an article every year where they interview some anonymous oscar voters and uh i gotta say originally i was not expect i was expecting that everything everywhere all at once would connect with me obviously but not necessarily connect with a lot of the older academy voters i was pleasantly surprised that very you know the people that they interviewed in that uh in that article, it was only four people, but the people they interviewed in that article, none of them had anything bad to say about it. It wasn't necessarily their first pick for everything, but it was usually someone's first pick for at least one category. And all of them had only good things to say, which was shocking to me. Yeah, it's promising, isn't it? That's uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I still have no faith. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I'm I'm gearing up for the second half of this episode to be very disappointing, but we'll see. Well, anyway, thank you once again for uh, putting on an amazing show, Ian. And uh, I guess we'll see you again next year, probably for the fourth Deafies. I hope so. Oh, <laughs> That's a, well, thank thank oh, you guys. Uh, amazing, you know, host job as always. And you look great. And yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We did get lots of compliments. I was, <laughs> there's lots of com- talking about looks this year. <laughs> there, there really was, wasn't there? That, uh, to be honest, you did, you you had excellent lighting, I think. Both of you. Thank actually. you. It's that diffuser light. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> well, before we get into the Oscars, we have a few submissions from uh, friends of the show who told us their general thoughts on all the Oscar nominees. Hey guys. So my thoughts on the Oscars race this year, uh, you know, every year some person gets up on the stage and makes some joke about nobody saw any of these films. Why didn't Spider-Man No Way Home get nominated for best picture? Wah, wah, wah. But this year it feels like it's a little bit more populist and also less populist at the same time compared to other years, like stuff that people not on film Twitter were talking about. Uh, Top Gun, Black Panther, Avatar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Elvis, Blonde, Glass Onion, RRR, The Whale kind of, I know, maybe not the movie itself, but Brendan Fraser's comeback. And then everything else that got nominated, like nobody saw in theaters, like Banshees of Inishirin and Women Talking, they really underperformed even by Oscar nominee standards. Um, what else? Everything was too long. Take a shot. Um, so some movies that I personally really liked. Um, my personal pick for best picture is Banshees of Inishirin. I know it's not going to happen, uh, but I can dream. Colin Farrell is also my personal choice for best actor. He's again, not going to win, but I really, really enjoyed his performance. Um, I was really surprised by how much I liked Babylon. You know, three hours. I thought I was going to hate it. But Damien Chazelle, it's probably the best thing that he's done in a couple years, in my opinion. Uh, same thing with Elvis. It's the best thing that Baz Luhrmann has done for a very long time. Uh, some shorts that I saw earlier in the year that I was really excited to see make the cut, like uh, An Irish Goodbye, An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake, Night Ride, which played at the ADOR Film Festival this year. Um, animated feature, you know, every year people complain that it's very, you know, child oriented. And this year I feel like, you know, Pinocchio's winning everything. And so it's 
that's pretty adult. Marcel the Shell is a little more adult-oriented. Um, so that's a nice thing to see. The biggest snub for me was probably... Well, the second biggest snub for me was probably Joyland. I was very surprised that it didn't get nominated, especially after the controversy with it potentially getting banned in Pakistan. And I thought it was just a very nice film in general. And uh, which brings me to the biggest snub of the year. I have a three-hour lecture ready about why Girl Picture was snubbed and you all should feel bad. <clears throat> Chapter one. Hi there. Callum from Scaretroducing here, the horror movie podcast you've never heard of because our name is a made-up word. Unlike the stereotype for genre film fans, both my wife and I actually really love the Oscars and this year is no different. Obviously, there's some horror picks I'd love to have seen make the cut, especially I think Jordan Peele's Nope deserved something, and Bones and All has the best original song of the year without a doubt, but that's besides the point. Overall, I think it's a generally strong and varied batch of nominees, and I'll defend them against anyone who thinks the Academy are boring and safe. Triangle of Sadness has a 10 minute vomit sequence and it's up for best picture. Case closed. Anyway, here's a very brief rundown of some of my thoughts. Number one, the fact that Top Gun Maverick is about to walk away with only a single win for best sound is a cinematic travesty. This is the movie which, in the words of Steven Spielberg, quote, saved Hollywood's ass, end quote. Cruz was my pick for best actor and he's not even in the nominated five. Thought number two, as a straight white man, I've never experienced a lack of representation in cinema, but seeing Paul Meskel play a Scottish man called Callum, spelt with one L, means that I am pulling for him to win, even though he will not. Number three, Everything Everywhere All at Once would be an excellent choice for Best Picture, and I hope it makes it, even though I think The Fablemans is technically my favourite of the ten nominees, but give it to Everything Everywhere. And number four, you can guarantee the jokes about last year's slap will be terrible and painful for the audience to watch. Anyway, that's my opinions on what's to come. I hope you all enjoy the Oscars. For a minute Just for a minute We made it feel like home Hi, Jeff and Pierre. This is Dakota from ContraZoom Pod. Rachel, unfortunately, wasn't able to join me today, but I am here to talk about my thoughts on the Oscars. And uh, let's just assume I'm talking for her as well. Uh, I have superior film opinions anyway, so it's not like she'd really matter. I really hope she doesn't listen to this. Either way, I thought the 2023 year for Oscars, the 2022 movie year, was actually really good, much stronger than last year. I found, especially in the Best Picture race, there was about two or three movies I, I actively didn't like and like a couple more that I was pretty indifferent about and, and really only wanted like one or two movies that I would personally be satisfied with, with winning Best Picture. This year, I look at it, and with the exception of Avatar The Way of Water, uh, I think they're all very excellent films and all have their merits and, and obviously to varying degrees of, of me loving them. Uh, chief among them, Tar, as uh, you guys both know and uh, appreciate the movie as much as I do. Right? Right, guys? 
Right. Uh, anyways, back to the thoughts on the Oscars. Yeah, there was obviously some big surprises like Andrea Riseborough being nominated for Two Leslie, uh, Diane Warren once again somehow baffling us all in, in getting a Best Original Song nomination. But overall, I, I look at the crop of nominees and, and I've got five left of my death race at the time of this recording. I really like just about everything that... Uh, that was nominated. I think the Oscars did a, a pretty bang up job this year, and I'm very happy with with all of the things that uh, that made it. And I've made some few discoveries, as you always do with this. You 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 can't know everything ahead of time, and uh, I'm very happy overall. Um, so yeah, I just want to say that it was an exciting year. I'm happy that uh, you asked uh, me to send in some of my thoughts, and hopefully uh, Rachel agrees with most, if not all, of them. Thanks, guys. Give yourself some applause, you deserve it Give yourself some respect, cause you earned it Give yourself some love, cause you want it You want it, yeah Hey friends, this is Matthew from the Awesome Friday Podcast Thanks to the Classic Movies live team, Pierre and Jeff For inviting me to participate in their Oscar show this year Um I've been thinking a lot about this year's crop of Best Picture nominees. I think that this group might be the best group, in my own opinion, since 2010. That's not to say there weren't great films each year, but every year there's been at least one that I don't quite understand how it made it on the ticket. Recent examples of this include last year's Don't Look Up, or 2019's Joker, or even 2018's winner, Green Book. I do my best not to get wrapped up in the Oscars' furor. Uh, it is, after all, a regional award show. It's the biggest regional award show, sure, but at the end of the day, the Academy are not the arbiters of taste or quality. The films that get nominated win a popularity contest as much as anything else. But as a fan of the Oscars, I've watched every year since at least 1989. It sure is nice when all of the options are good ones, when all of the potential winners are ones that I wouldn't be unhappy to see become the actual winner, even if there is one that I didn't personally connect with. But what I'm trying to say here is that while the Academy are not the arbiters of good taste and quality, the films that get nominated can be an indication of the overall quality in the industry for a given year, and by that metric, 2022 was a hell of a year for the movies. Hello, before we get back to Pierre and myself, uh, I just wanted to give a couple of quick updates, uh, sort of a quick quick thoughts on the Oscar ceremony itself. Um, I'm recording this on Monday. The Oscars were on Sunday. I actually uh, was pretty distracted during the Oscars themselves on Sunday. I got the broad points, but uh, I, I didn't get to see a lot of the actual ceremony. Um, but uh, I just rewatched it, and I'm going to hold off on the winners here. Because, I mean, if you're listening to this, you already know the winners. So there's nothing we're going to do that can surprise you. But I'm going to talk about the winners with Pierre when we get back to the show proper. Uh, for the most part. But I do have uh, a top five moments of the, of the ceremony um, that I'm going to share with you shortly. I just want to share some general thoughts. First off... I was really not looking forward to Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, historically, I have not loved his uh, show or his comedy, um, which I, you know, I, I hate to start with something negative, 
The point, though, is I really, really liked Jimmy Kimmel as host. I thought he was an incredible host. Almost all of his jokes landed, in my opinion. Not all of them. There were some duds. Everyone's going to have some duds. But um, specifically, uh, I was not looking forward to hearing more slap jokes. But he really nailed it, shockingly. So... I was very impressed. I really liked it, and I would actually love to have him back anytime. I, you know, my my dream host is to get Questlove to host again. You know, he kind of hosted because he was the MC the year they didn't have a host. But uh, I would love to get him back as a proper host. But anyway, Jimmy Kimmel killed it. I know he doesn't listen to our podcast, but in the case that he does, uh, Jimmy, uh, that was incredible. Please come on our show. Um, as for the as for the rest of the ceremony itself, I think it went really smoothly. It was like it didn't go too far over time. I think the live broadcast was like three and a half hours. When I watched it back, it was just under three, uh, which means that like even with commercials, there was not that much time lost, which is pretty crazy. I know the Oscars always they they have a reputation for going super long, and specifically going overtime. They did still go overtime. But they shockingly did not go as long as they could have. Um, it was awesome to see all the songs performed. I'm glad they all could. I know that briefly Lady Gaga was not uh, planning on being there to perform because she's in the middle of shooting Joker 2 right now, which I'm definite you'll hear more about on this show. Um but it was cool that she was there to perform Hold My Hand. And I actually really liked all of the musical performances. I would actually say that the weakest was maybe This Is A Life from Everything Everywhere All At Once. I thought that performance was a little strange. And if it was intentional, uh, the joke didn't land. I um, Everything else was... So, were, all the other performances were such, like, moving renditions of their particular songs. And uh, the Everything Everywhere All at Once song was done very curiously. I don't... I'm not... I'm, 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 I'm trying to be nice. I know that the... Uh, I know that the um, performers, David Byrne and Stephanie Hsu, are both Broadway performers. So I've can't imagine that uh they just biffed it like i know that they i'm sure they were achieving what they wanted to do um but it it felt like they it felt like they were flat sometimes and uh it didn't uh it didn't hit quite the way that i it always did in the trailers but maybe that's just because that song really works well in its own context um anyway i don't want to go too too long before talking to Pierre. So I'm going to talk about uh, some of my favorite moments from the ceremony. First off, seeing Natu Natu performed. Uh, I was a huge fan of this song. I'm a, I'm a big fan of RRR in general. I was a huge fan of this song specifically and like nothing um, there was nothing I was looking forward to more at the Oscars than Natu Natu being performed. And I guess also Natu Natu winning, which did happen. So just Natu Natu in general, that's one of my top five moments. I don't want to rank these specifically because uh, it's it's hard to do. <laughs> that was one of my top five moments, Natu Natu winning. I thought that M.M. M. Kiravani had a great speech. He 
<laughs> improvised a carpent he he did an improvised carpenter's parody as his speech which was really funny uh so yeah that that was great um let's see the in memoriam i thought was very good this year it uh, they really gave it the time it needed lenny kravitz was there and um he did a he did a ballad that was really really pretty moving i think john travolta introducing it was uh also also very moving he was kind of you could you could tell that he was pretty emotional about some of the people that we lost this year which i can understand because they started it with olivia newton john which it is very sad to have seen her gone um and uh in general the in memoriam was the in memoriam was very good at the end of it as well, someone in the crowd right before the right before the credits yelled out, "Thanks, Lenny," which I thought uh, that that gave me a little chuckle at the end in in a good way because you know I also thought "Thanks, Lenny," but I thought that was it was pretty funny that they captured that on cam on on the um, on the mics. Uh, let's see what else. I was a big fan of. A lot of the speeches that we saw today, um, or I guess yesterday, um, specifically, I really liked seeing Brendan Fraser and Sarah Polly get up and uh, talk about their respective wins. Um, it's it's very great to see Canadians represented at the Oscars, uh, and I don't know. Maybe it's oh maybe I'm over eager to claim. I mean, I think it's a Canadian tradition to be over eager to claim Canadian actors. Brendan Fraser has not been in a lot of Canadian movies, but uh, we do proudly claim him, and I hope that he's happy to be claimed by Canada. Um, and then uh, every time that we'll, we'll talk about this a lot more on the show, every time that everywhere everything everywhere all at once won something. I was uh, very happy with that. I, I, I loved seeing them get up and give their speeches, especially um, my, my, my idols, the Daniels. Uh, I hope that... Uh, I actually, like, shockingly... I, I've talked about everything, everywhere, all at once a lot on this show, but I have not talked about the Daniels nearly as much as I would like to, and I hope I get more opportunities to talk about them in the future. Uh, I'm probably going to try and convince Pierre even privately to like watch all of their movies. So, I we were we were briefly planning an episode on Swiss Army Man, but that was back in the quarantine times and it didn't really work out for whichever reason. I don't remember why. But we might revisit that. Anyway, um it was good to see them. I think my number one moment of the entire Oscars was when uh the an Irish goodbye won for best live action short, which spoilers, but I'm I will definitely mention it when I talk to Pierre. I doubt we'll talk too extensively about it, but during that time, they uh, wished the one of the leads of an Irish goodbye a happy birthday because it was his birthday that day, and they used their speech time to just sing happy birthday to him, which was awesome. That's the best way you can use your time as a as an award winner i think so that was just a great moment 
And uh, those are my top five or so Oscar moments from the ceremony. And coming up, you are going to hear me talk to Pierre about the winners and what we thought. Oh my God, Pierre, we're back. And it's only been, uh, let me look at my, let me look at my watch. How long has it been since we last talked? 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, 10 minutes. Wow. Wow, crazy. In between the last time we talked and this time, it's the the Oscars happened. The fastest Oscars of all time. Eight minutes. Crazy. I have lots of thoughts on the Oscars. Actually, I don't even know if I do have lots of thoughts on the Oscars. I'm just in a generally good mood most for, for the most part. I'm going to table that for just a minute. I want to know what you thought of, of the Oscars, of the winners, in just everything in general. I, I'm generally satisfied. I don't know. I, I feel like there wasn't... I, I kind of miss when there was some controversial <laughs> awards won. I think the most controversial one is probably Jamie Lee Curtis winning over Stephanie Sue. But in terms of uh, people saying that she won as more of a legacy award compared to Stephanie Sue, who this is like her first or one of her first really big performances. Um, so she didn't win. It might be her film debut. I know she's been in like TV shows and she's a Broadway actress. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not her acting debut, but this might be her first movie, actually. Yeah, so um, that's the only thing I've heard is, like, kind of eh about it. I don't, I personally don't really mind. Like, I think either one is fine. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they, one of them won, honestly. That's kind of a surprise to me, but yeah. I recently rewatched Everything Everywhere all at once. And, like, originally, I I know the first time I watched it, I was... I was blown away by everything, including I loved Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie. But like thinking about it without having it very fresh in my head, I always thought like Jamie Lee Curtis is in that movie. She is important, but she's like so much of a supporting role that I wouldn't even really consider her like the main supporting role. Uh, But then like I rewatched it and I'm like, I get it. Like, I still don't think I would have picked her as supporting actress. But like mm-hmm. I understand, it's a substantial role and it is very important. So yeah, I'd say it, it might be you could argue more versus it's a more versatile role, even though she had less less screen time compared to Stephanie Hsu. I don't know. Stephanie Hsu was, I mean, they were both playing many characters, but Stephanie Hsu had to play. Actually, maybe you're right. Because she she really only played two characters. But Jamie Lee Curtis played, like, four, I want to say. So in terms of pure amount of characters acted, Jamie Lee Curtis has the advantage there. And, like, I think that that Jobu Tabaki is a much meatier role, but also Mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis's four characters that she played, or however many it was, they weren't aware of each other. So there was no point where they blended into the same character. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, that's that's the only one. I I mean, all, everything everywhere won everything or seven awards. So it got pretty, pretty close to everything. Yeah, I, and uh, I think. Well, what was what was like your favorite like award given that night? 
my my favorite award given that night was uh i i have a few but i would probably say natu natu for uh a best original song the first movie uh, the first song from an indian production to ever win at the oscars nice so and like uh the person who won mm shiravani at the golden globes he he seemed fully unprepared to win, which like, I totally get at these things, but he like, he had, his speech was, um, strange. I didn't love it that much. It just like, didn't really stick out. His speech at the Oscars was amazing. He just did a 15 second improvised Carpenters parody, like the, um, uh, the band, the Carpenters. It was very sweet. And also the performance of Natu Natu at the Oscars was amazing. I was a little oh, nice. sad that even though the main, at least Ram Charan, one of the actors in RRR, he was there. I believe the other person um, whose name I'm blanking on right now, the other lead actor from the movie, I think he was also there, but I didn't see him. But neither of them danced in, in the Natu Natu performance. They had extremely skilled dancers, but they were not the lead actors of RRR, which was what I was hoping for, but it was still a really good performance. Yeah. Oh, nice. So now you finally care about the best original song category. I mean, I, I care deeply about the best original song category. It's just that, like, I find that too often it goes to a really bad nominee or, like, <laughs> a really undeserving nominee. And this year, mm. I think it went to by far the most deserving nominee. Well, perfect. That is good. Also, I don't know if you caught it live, but uh, you should, if you can, go back and find the acceptance speech for the best live action short film, which was won by the movie An Irish Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't know the actor's name, but they went up there and they said, thank you very much for this award, but this is actually the second most important thing that's happening today. They pointed to one of their act, the guy who was accepting the award pointed to one of the actors in the Irish goodbye and said, it's actually this man's birthday. Let's use the rest of this time to sing him a happy birthday. And the whole Dolby <laughs> Theater sang happy birthday, which like Aww. someone I was watching with pointed out, that's the best birthday he's ever going to have. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> So he, he ruined that guy's birthday. That's too bad. <laughs> By making it the best one. Uh, that that was probably my favorite. Those were probably my two favorite award speeches. Obviously, all of the all of the acting award speeches were fantastic. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, Brendan Fraser, Kihoi Kwan, and Jamie Lee Curtis all had great speeches. All wins that I was very happy with. I think like. My biggest surprise of the night is is how well All Quiet on the Western Front did, but not that it did really well, just that it beat out a lot of front runners in categories that it was also nominated in and didn't win in like other categories that I thought it was the front runner. Like All Quiet on the Western Front did not win makeup, which I know the other I know that a lot of people would have said the front runner was the whale. I thought that All Quiet on the Western Front was going to was gonna take it, and uh, mm. it did not. The Whale got it. But most notably, All Quiet on the Western Front got Best Original Score, which, like, I thought that was a done deal for Justin Hurwitz in Babylon, but 
It was not, apparently. Um, apparently. I'm surprised it won all quiet for best score because it was like such a minimal score, minimalist mm-hmm. score, but like I I'm, I'm really happy with that. Yeah, it was a very effective score. I think it, I think like yeah. of the movies, of the scores that were nominated, Babylon is my personal favorite, but All Quiet on the Western Front might have been the most I think it was probably like the best used in the movie. Hmm. And, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I mean, also, I seen it, so I never... it turns out for I think it was the La La Land year. That was the last time that Justin Her- that Justin Hurwitz won an Oscar for Best Original mm-hmm. Score. And guess who else was nominated for Best Original Score that year? <laughs> was it Volker Bertelman? It was Volker Bertelman. Wow. He scored the movie <laughs> Lion, and he lost to Justin Hurwitz. So this year oh, he wow. won. Uh, he won while Justin Hurwitz was also nominated. So in six years, uh, they're going to have to have round three. So I will be revenge. looking forward to whatever those two do in 2028. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, Justin Hurwitz doesn't make too many movie scores. So I well, don't know when his next one's going to be. Whenever the next time Damien Chazelle makes a movie is, because they've exactly, collaborated yeah. on every single movie so far. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, Brendan, Brendan Fraser, kind of cool. I still need to watch that movie. I don't know if he actually was really good. I, I don't know if you could inform me. I think um, of the people that were there, I would have been happy with everyone except for Bill Maihe. And even if Bill Maihe would have won, I would have been like, well, Bill Maihe has an Oscar now, so that's cool. It's but like, I, yeah. <laughs> I was pretty torn between Austin Butler, Brendan Fraser, and Colin Farrell as my top three. Mm. But Colin Farrell was by far the first. Like I was, I was very much pulling for Colin Farrell. Uh, but I'm very happy for Brendan Fraser, and Brendan Fraser now has an Oscar. But um, I guess, oh, sorry, you had asked if Brendan Fraser's any good in the whale, and when I saw the whale the first time. I said, wow, this is my favorite performance of the year. And Mm -hmm. after thinking about it a little more, I never went down to thinking that Brendan Fraser's performance in The Whale was not good. It's, It's a very, very good performance. The thing that I think is like so magical about Colin Farrell's performance is that it gets better with distance from the movie, I think. Like, I can watch that movie and think that it's one of my favorite performances of the year, if not my favorite performance of the year. And then the more I think about the Banshees of Inna Sharon, even if I haven't just seen it, I only think more highly of it of, and of the performances in that. Where with The Whale, like, I'm never going to think Brendan Fraser was bad in that movie. He was incredible. It's not one that I think more highly of as time goes on. Mm-hmm. It's like, I thought it was really great in the moment, and I still think it is exactly that great. I get that. So it's it's not aging with time. It's just staying the same. Yeah. In terms of how, yeah. Okay. I am yeah, very I excited like... to hear your thoughts on that movie if if and when you see it. Because oh, yeah, uh, I, I was telling a buddy of mine, I was trying to like describe to him what that movie's about and like why it rubbed me kind of the wrong way in a few in a few different areas. And like the best I could come up with is the play that it's based on. The, the Whale by Samuel D. Hunter is 
intended i've i've read some stuff from samuel d hunter talking about it it's intended to be provocative the whole point of it is to be extremely provocative and uh when i watched the movie by god was i provoked so like i get it it's 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 a tough one it's a real thinker yeah for like all the other awards like all the technical awards i think the only one that might be kind of surprising to me was best makeup and hairstyling going to the whale but again i haven't seen it so can't really define that i guess it was mostly the work done on brendan fraser right yeah and they um they talked about it a little bit at the oscars just the blurb while people were standing up from their seats i don't know if they pioneered the technique for the whale or if it was just relatively new technology they used digital makeup which does not mean cgi it means they like modeled and 3d printed the makeup and then like worked it onto his face in such a way that he could like wear all of these prosthetics but still get maximum range out of his face oh wow so it was, okay, was, was kind of cool. cool yeah nice one that i was initially not pulling for but was um actually very much convinced uh of it on the on the day of and uh special thanks to someone who presented at the deathies alicia alicia brenner she really convinced me that black panther wakanda forever is like the movie that should have won best costume design and it did so i i was happy for it but like before hearing her talk about it i was i was definitely pulling for everywhere everything everywhere all at once because there's a scene and i think i talked about it in our episode a year ago in everything everywhere all at once where stephanie Shu falls down a staircase and she wears five different costumes as she's falling which is awesome i loved that scene so much but with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, not only did Ruth Carter have to design costumes for two different kingdoms, at least one of which is made out of several different cultures, but also all of those costumes had to be windproof, waterproof, and look good on camera. So, like, she did a hell of a lot of work for that movie, and, like, Ruth Carter is probably one of the best she's probably the best person working in costume design today so like Mm -hmm. i'm i was very happy to see her become uh apparently i know she's the first black costume designer to win two oscars she may be the first black woman to win two oscars oh wow nice which is insane yeah no no, no. yeah the costume design was was really good i i mean that that was one of the things like i remember when we were talking about black panther before that that that's an award it definitely deserved the first mm-hmm. time and and it did this time too for sure especially with the talo Khan edition yeah i uh now that you mention it i did i think we did bring that up i think i think i may have even said about that like it did have great costumes yeah yeah and i don't know any surprises for you i mean the surprises were the specific places that all quiet beat out some of the other front runners but like it it deserved them mm. it got production design which like yeah For sure, of yeah. course <laughs> uh cinematography and uh also what was the other one it got oh yeah score and like all of those i'm not entirely certain it was my personal pick but i all of them i was like it's the best in that category so i get it yeah i think if I had to pick something that, oh yeah, one, the, the two other big surprises were 
Jamie Lee Curtis in supporting actress, which I maybe could have expected, but I didn't. And uh, best documentary short subject, which went to the elephant whispers. I didn't really know what, what to predict here. Shorts are always like really hard to predict anyway. The elephant whispers did have Netflix money behind it, but like, Mm. I hadn't really heard a lot of love or even opinions about that one. Like, I know a lot of people passionately hate How Do You Measure a Year and Stranger at the Gate, but like, I hadn't really heard much buzz about really any of these, except mm. like what I'd heard from, you know, friends that I personally know. And like, even of them, no one was talking about the elephant whispers. So <laughs> I don't know. That was not what I was expecting. Okay. Yeah, I can't really comment on that one. Maybe a bit of a disappointment was The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse for Best Animated Short Film. Not a movie I liked at all, but it did have really cool animation. So, like, it's not completely without merit. The animation in it is very interesting. Like, it's a movie that I think the characters in it don't move particularly fast. But the way mm. that they're animated, they have a lot of the outlines sort of take a while to catch up. So it makes the animation look really dynamic. And it's just really cool to look at, even though the movie is primarily a bunch of motivational poster quotes put together for a half an hour. Which, like, <laughs> it's... I really wanted to like that one as I was watching it, but I th just thought it was funny for the wrong reasons. But it did have really good animation. Um, unfortunately, Best Animated Short Film was one of the strongest categories this year. And The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse is the only one of the ones that were nominated that I didn't like. So I was sad about that one, I guess. But even then, like so I say I guess. like I was very happy with, with almost the entire thing this year. I'm, I'm really impressed that like, I managed to come out of the Oscars and not feel drained because of the winners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they uh they, they seem to pick a lot of the the front runners, I guess, or the even like the fan favorites too. It, I mean it's crazy some of these movies didn't get any like any attention at all, like what? Like a Spielberg movie. Actually, well I, I, I didn't really expect the Fablemans to win anything, but like it's it's crazy to See Steven Spielberg's movie Walk Away with Nothing. Tar walked away with nothing. Banshees of Inishirin, which I like we both really liked, got nothing. I'd say it was like the problem was it was just second for everything. <laughs> like Yeah. Which is a problem. You know, it's too bad, but it's just the way it is. Um and then like Elvis. Elvis too, I'm surprised didn't get any of the technical awards as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, it felt it felt like a very I don't know, top heavy year, if that makes sense. Like there's three movies, one everything. Yeah. Ten, ten of the 10 best picture nominees, five got nothing at all, which is very weird. I'm like, when you look yeah. at the individual categories, it makes more sense. But just thinking like, these are supposed to be the 10 best movies of the year and five of them walked away, you know, with, with nothing to show for it. It's just Absolutely strange. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just I, it's just the way the awards were were split. Well, like yeah. anything that anything everywhere all at once, everything everywhere all at once wasn't nominated in. 
you it would be like in those technical awards and in those cases you know you would get your black panther or your avatar which just had way more money behind it yeah to win those so it's the way it is i i feel like a lot of these people going in because like when the lead up to the awards i i feel like a lot of it had already settled by then too with how much certain movies were winning compared to others so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's yeah. A, it was a good year though this is a really good movie year yeah I, I loved this year i'm i'm really happy i remember i already talked about it once this episode i guess I, it's, it's it's been a while since i talked about it you know 20 minutes now uh since that since we last talked but um <laughs> Yeah, 2019, I remember, was like my favorite year of the Oscars ever, which I guess was in 2020. And uh, this is a strong competitor. I and like, I also have to say, yesterday, I rewatched the full show. And uh, I was very impressed by Jimmy Kimmel, which is something I thought I would never say. Wow. But like, <laughs> you know, just in general, I thought it was a great show. I thought I was very happy with almost every winner and even the winners that I wasn't happy with, I wasn't like violently upset about. I mean, every time that happens, I'm like, this will never happen again, but it did happen twice. So maybe it'll happen a third time. Hopefully next year is a good Oscars year again. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd say overall this year was still, I think 2019 was still better when I'm looking at the list. I think, I think it had a more like this year. I think had two or three really, really good movies, and then like a bunch of like really solid movies. I wouldn't say there was any bad movies up there. Uh, but yeah, looking at twenty nineteen, I'd say like all these were like fairly good, not just solid, if that makes sense. So like a better average overall, I'd say. Um, yeah. So yeah. In order to find but, the first movie that I didn't like, I have to go all the way to best actor. And the first movie that I both didn't like and thought was bad, I have to go to Best Actress. Which, like, I mean, those are... I'm, I'm just looking at the top four categories here. So maybe that's not that many. But, like, there yeah. aren't very many movies in here that I think are bad. Yeah. Which doesn't happen often. I know, yeah. I was surprised. Like, that was a pretty stacked... Like, I think the the worst one was maybe, like, The Irishman for me. I, I, I didn't finish that movie, but... It's still a Scorsese movie, and I still really respect it. For some reason, when I watched The Irishman, I made the mistake of starting it at midnight. And, like, I think I did finish it that night, but, oh, my God, I was tired from the first minute. I don't know why I started it that late. You know, it's interesting, though, like, that seems like there there was no Netflix, I guess, other than All Quiet on the Western Front, right? I mean, All um, Quiet on not, the Western Front is its is Netflix's most winningest movie now. That's true. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. So I guess it was a really big, successful year for Netflix. Well, yeah, Netflix came away with quite a bit because they got uh, they got All Quiet on the Western Front. They had um, Best Documentary Short Subject because they got Elephant Whispers, and they also got. Uh, they didn't get RRR. That's technically not Netflix. That's just distributed by Netflix here. There was one other one I thought they got. Oh, maybe not. Oh, they had a few nominations because Blonde was Netflix and Pinocchio was Netflix. Oh. So Pinocchio did. Oh, win. yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, a pretty successful year then. I take it back. I was going to say, I, I just, 
looking at 2019 and like I was trying to remember like the past two years they usually had a, a big heavy hitter director that year that they gave like the carte blanche to and just throw away a bunch of money but it seems like they might be pulling back on that because I can't think of any upcoming movies from any really big directors on Netflix and there wasn't any this year like Del Toro like I, I'd say yes but I feel like he wouldn't work with Netflix other than for Pinocchio no like, he, he, has a, he has a TV show on Netflix that was probably getting a season two really oh okay yeah a horror anthology called Cabinet of Curiosities it's oh, mostly pretty good, and he and he highlights like a lot of good directors. Uh, I'm a big Catherine Hardwick fan, and she mm. has a episode of Cabinet of Curiosities. And oh. uh, I'm a big Catherine Hardwick fan, and it's bit me in the ass more times than I care to admit. But still, she does have an episode in Guillermo del Toro's series. Oh, well, I take it back. Yeah, actually, Netflix had two things nominated in animated feature film because they got the Sea Beast there too. Oh yeah. Okay, I take it back. I'm sorry, Netflix. You had a good year. But while we're better. while we're talking about companies, this was a blowout year for A24. I mean, obviously, because everything, everywhere, all at once won everything except for won almost everything it was nominated for. But also, I think. I read, like, I don't know the last time it happened, but it is extremely rare for one company to take every acting award. And in fact, not yeah. only wow. did not only did A24 win every acting award, they won every acting award, best director, best picture, and best original screenplay, which is like yeah. the only other one that I would consider a quote-unquote above-the-line category is adapted screenplay. And Women Talking mm. is not an A24 movie. So they got everything except for adapted screenplay that was above the line. Well, I don't know. I think this is a really big opportunity for them to uh, really branch out more, I guess. You know, they've been, they've been getting a lot of attention, but this was like on a whole nother level, right? Yeah. And I think we could potentially see a lot more big directors go their way. And maybe a lot more potential screenplays going their way too and connections in the industry. So I'm really excited for them because they've just been a relatively consistent source of at least very interesting movies to watch. Worst, worst case. And we've got some really cool ones coming up this year. I know I'm very excited for Bo is Afraid. Have you heard of that one? Uh, nope. Ari Oster's new movie. Uh, the guy who did Midsummer. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. When is the... Uh, oh, yeah, coming out soon. So, anyway, I think... I think that's probably as much time as we should devote to this for now. Final thoughts on the Oscars and on movies... You know what? Not even on the Oscars, because we've talked about the Oscars. Final thoughts on movies from 2022, because starting next week, that's officially the beginning of 2023. Wow. March... Middle uh, of March is 2023. Uh, I'll say that it, this was a successful year. I think we've like, not the best year, obviously in terms of the best picture nominees and movies in general, but I think we bounced back very well from the COVID era. And I think the future is looking bright for, I'm excited for the future of the movie industry. Cause I think the Oscars this year really showed what the current trends in the industry are. And I think they're trending towards a lot more creative movies, hopefully less Oscar bait movies, 
and um, and more diversity in roles and stuff. I think that for as self-indulgent as Hollywood could have been in 2022, because there were a lot of movies about making movies and about filmmakers and about <laughs> yeah. how movies are cool. For as self-indulgent so as that could have been, the Oscars this year showed that like, you know, that's all well and good, but there are still really cool, interesting movies that are just about neat things and about and that are just off the wall creative that Hollywood is willing to reward. Yeah. This could very easily have been the year that a movie about by Steven Spielberg about himself wins every wins big while every other award goes to a movie about movies and it was not yeah. bad. And like while that, that wouldn't have been the worst outcome ever, it would have been like I mean, it would have been very masturbatory, and this was not that. Yeah, I agree. That, thank God, honestly. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, that's that's one of the my least favorite aspect of the Oscars. And, uh, yeah, and with, like, you know, the the rise of... I think I think everything everywhere all at once. I, I'd say it's a good mark for the industry moving forward. I, I think it could actually, like, with how cheap it was and given that it was came from an indie studio and how much movie it made with, you know, relatively limited marketing and how successful it was. I think we could see possibly an uptick in more mid budget blockbusters, because as I saw, as I think we saw with that movie, you can create a very cinematic theatrical blockbuster esque experience with an indie budget at this point. Mm -hmm. It's possible. And uh, and they can compete with the with the heavyweights now, especially when I think the franchises are slowly starting to lose steam. Hopefully, I absolutely agree, and wow. I I hope that the industry learns the right lessons from all of this because you know 2022 could very easily have been a sign of really cool movies coming out in the future. Just a really cool direction for movies. Very cool. So, anyway, Pierre, what's our last word? Movies. <laughs>